You're listening to the Disney One by One podcast, a chronological look at every Disney animated classic and beyond. Here's your host, Mike Rolfing. Hello and welcome once again to Disney One by One. This week we're talking about Frozen 2 from 2019, and this is the final movie on the list. David, we've made it. It's sad. I'm sad. (laughs) When does the next one come out in theaters, though? (laughs) Uh, Like November of 2020. So I guess we can return November 25th and talk about Raya and the Last Dragon. But uh... once a year schedule (laughs) is is definitely doable. (laughs) This is Frozen 2. It came out very recently. It's actually still in theaters. And uh, remember, you can find the show everywhere on the internet at Disney 1X1. If you can leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, you're really out of time, but we'd love to see it. And uh, remember, pretty much all of these movies are on Disney Plus now. So if you want to go back and listen to our back catalog and watch some of these old movies and listen along with us, uh, you have 58 episodes to catch up on. So uh, with that, I already said it, but I'll bring in my co-host, David Rolfing, the, the Elsa to my Anna. Welcome back to Disney One by One. Oh, thank you. I'm... I should have been the Anna because I'm younger, but that's the, right. the, the Sven to my Kristoff. Yes, that's better. Is that, is that right? Okay. I just put words in your mouth. Anyway, joining us this week, we have a, uh, a brand new special guest. He's joining us in the final episode. Um, Mike Werkheiser, welcome to Disney One by One. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. So, Mike, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, about your family, what do you do? I, <clears throat> I'm a pastor here in St. Louis at a church called City Church. I have four children. Uh, London is 11. Penelope is nine. Noble turns seven this coming Saturday, which is January 25th. And Magnolia is three. So what I do for fun... <laughs> Watch is, Disney movies. Is, yes, right. Exactly. Is a bit limited these days. But interestingly, I've been watching a ton of the first Frozen movie lately because my youngest Magnolia is obsessed with it. She just it does not tire of it. And so, uh, any chance she gets to watch TV, she requests Frozen 1, Frozen 1. <laughs> so, uh, a lot of that, a lot of the soundtrack, a lot of the Frozen 2 soundtrack has been playing on the wireless speakers at the home. So, um, uh, I've been entrenched. We saw Frozen 2 uh, over Thanksgiving at the Indianapolis State History Museum. They have an actual IMAX there, and we saw it in IMAX. Nice. And uh, I think it was Magnolia's first movie, like uh, theater experience. And uh, that's quite the experience to have. <laughs> truly, truly. Giant, giant IMAX screen. Yeah. And it was, it cost me an arm and a leg. I didn't anticipate the, uh, the cost of these tickets, but um, yeah. it was a lot of fun. Nice. Yeah. So uh, I go to church where Mike is the pastor and Mike not only uh, has baptized my child, but also married my wife and I. So we go, we go way back. Yes. <laughs> I think like 10th grade. I think I was in 10th grade when we met. You're like an in, in, intern at, at our previous church? Yep. It's been a while. It's It's been fun. And when I first saw Mike, he was scarily trimming hedges in our neighborhood <laughs> for a movie of Mike's called Five. Which, which we've talked about on the show quite a few times. Garrett Henry and Carol Keene were both in it. And Chris Nestor. And Chris. We've had three guests, four guests on this show now that were in in the movie Five. So if, <laughs> if you've listened to every episode of the show, you've heard way more than you've ever wanted to know about uh, the 2005 horror film Five. And I'm featuring. sure Mike could send you a DVD copy if you really want it because there is a surplus of DVDs. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I got rid of most of them. I had a box of like 50 copies of it. Well, I told my kids uh, about it and... Uh, they were like, Are you in a you were in a movie theater? I said, No, I was not in a movie theater. Well we had a big premiere. Did you could you come to the premiere? I don't believe I did. Okay. But they <laughs> they were like, What was your role? I, I said, I guess I was the evil gardener. <laughs> did you did you kill anybody? I actually didn't no, no I didn't. you were the red herring. <laughs> yeah. You were the red herring. There were more evil things at bay. <laughs> it's like at home alone, the scary neighbor they think is gonna kill them. Exactly the same. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, Mike, you have kids now and you watch Disney movies, but did you grow up with Disney in your life? What's your personal Disney history? Yeah, I was thinking about that question earlier. I didn't... I wasn't a huge TV watcher when I was a kid. We, we kind of lived in a kind of the rural southern west uh, southwestern pennsylvania and so i spent a lot of time outside however one of the most formative experiences of my childhood my grandmother my dad's mom paid for my whole family we have a i have three siblings so there's uh six members in the family she paid for us to go to disney world oh wow 
uh, when I was, I want to say I was probably six or seven. And one of the most formative experiences of that trip was the Swiss family Robinson tree. <laughs> I was just enamored with walking up because I, I, you know, as a little boy, like tree houses, are the, you know, it's the best thing. Yeah. And so I just remember that having a huge impact on me. So Disney World itself, the experience of the park and the rides and the, you know, just the, the theatrics of it all, that was very captivating and very um, exciting. And then I think I've been back now four additional times, most recently, just this past Christmas, not, not Christmas. A year uh, ago. Yeah. Yeah. So we did, uh, we did the parks and then we did a little cruise and the kids were, you know, it was fantastic. So, but yeah, but uh, yeah, through the years watching the movies and increasingly so now that I have kids. What was the highlight of your more recent trip? Just, just seeing your kids love it or were there some new things you hadn't done before? Yes, uh, certainly new. You know, I was, I was excited to do the Avatar in Animal Kingdom. We didn't, you know, because of the way our trip was structured, we only had basically three days at the parks and three days on the cruise. And so uh, we had to really pick and choose how we attacked the parks. Yeah. So we couldn't do the river one. Oh, yeah. Uh, Navi River Journey. Yes. yes. We didn't do that, but we did the, um, yeah, the Banshee. Flight of Passage. And yes. uh, my wife and I and my two oldest daughters did it. And my youngest of the two, so Penelope, she just loved it. I mean, she <laughs> couldn't get enough of it. My wife and I, both, by the time the ride was done, we were ready for it to be done because it was kind of, <laughs> you know, it was just the motion was a little much, but it was, it was pretty fantastic. So, nice. but yeah, seeing the kids, Noble, you know, sweet kid, he just wasn't maybe as prepared for some of the, the rides. Like we took him on uh, Space Mountain first thing in the morning when we got to, to uh, Magic Kingdom and he just was not having it. Yeah, that's, well, especially that one, you sit single file too. Yes, right. You're not next to someone. There's lots of stories from people about their first experience <laughs> on Space Mountain, especially that one. So after that, he was kind of a little bit, he was a bit, a bit gun shy for the roller coasters. Yeah. I think the I think the only other one he did was uh, the Dwarf's Mine Train, which is outside where you yep. can see where you're going and it's yep. smooth. Yeah, yeah. I think we're gonna try to get Ellie there before she turns three because she's free. Yeah, she won't be able to go on most things. But I just think she loves Mickey Mouse. I took her oh, to the Disney yeah. store yesterday. We were at the mall. My wife was getting a new phone and took forever, so I just took her over to the Disney store and she was just pulling out all the Mickey's and walking around the castle. And I'm like, yes, training you. Yes, training that's fantastic. <laughs> Wonderful. I don't think she needs any more training, Mike. She'll be yeah, probably enough. not. Yeah, <laughs> overtrained. <laughs> so, Mike, it's been a long time since we've had a new guest on the show. But with our new guests, we asked them what their top five favorite Disney movies are on this list of fifty-eight. Go ahead. And if, uh, do you have a countdown? Can you go five to one? Oh yeah. Okay, and then give us a little explanation for each one. Sure. Yeah, it was it was it was a little challenging uh, whittling it down to five. I think it you know, easily could have been ten, but. Getting that down to five was a little challenging. I think five for me was Lion King. And I think because of when that movie came out and now having kids, just the, the power of the story. So for me, the storytelling of Lion King was probably the thing that I enjoyed most about that. Four is Jungle Book. I just really enjoyed the, I enjoy, I enjoy the colorful characters of Jungle Book. I enjoy the music of Jungle Book the setting, the narrative arc. I just enjoy the experience of Jungle Book and uh, the playfulness of it and uh, the romantic idea of living and playing with animals. And, and there's great music in that movie too. Yeah. Number three is Moana. Nice. And I think I chose that for the aesthetics, the, the visual uh, artistry of the movie and the music. I really enjoy the music. I go back to the music and I'm a, I'm a sucker for a good Jermaine Clement comedic <laughs> song. So I, I really enjoy Moana and I could watch that over again anytime my kids are interested. Number two is Bambi. I really enjoy Bambi. It's obviously a, a kind of a, a slow moving film, but I, I'm always fascinated at like the composition of it, the visual composition of it and how they were able to execute it. I don't know anything about these things, but I can only imagine that it took a great deal of planning, care and ability to do what they did when they did it. Mm -hmm. So I, I've, I always really enjoyed Bambi. It's a beautiful story, obviously. Um, again, some of the characters are 
unforgettable. So I, I really enjoy Bambi. And then number one, just for sheer entertainment. <laughs> I have no I have no guesses. The Emperor's New Groove. Okay, there you go. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I, I've always enjoyed that movie. Spade's, you know, Spade's character and his the timing and his his comedic delivery. And then Kronk kills me uh, every time with his whole squirrel language. So those are my five. Okay. Well, you're not alone in Emperor's New Groove. We've had many people really? list that in their top five, if not number one. So <laughs> That's probably been in the top five number one choices. <laughs> and real quick with Bambi, because we haven't talked about this in a long time, is they created this device called the multi-plane camera, which was yes. a tower of layers that they would shoot down through with the camera and they could shift them in parallax with each other so that they could do those crazy camera moves. But it was all just different layers of animation. It's insane. That's it's insane. awesome. And I don't know if you watched Bambi recently, but I mean, we still watched it, you know, a year ago or a year and a half ago and for the show and it's still very impressive. That's great. And I hadn't seen it since I was a little, little kid. I mean, I couldn't recall the last time I'd seen it and I was, I was enamored by it. I thought it was beautiful and like the music's great and the characters yes. are fun and it just, it has like a, it's not just a kid kitty movie. It's all about like the changing of seasons and how you go through life and all this sort of thing. So I think yeah. my favorite song in Bambi is the the rain song. I was that I exactly this. I would have the exact same answer to that question. <laughs> yeah, that's a great tune. Yeah, and that's a great and and just like the fact that they could sync their animation with the totally. music back Amazing. then too. All Amazing. of them were like that, but that just every raindrop is like to the beat of the music. It's crazy. One thing I do before we dive into Frozen 2, one thing I always enjoy is how you sneak uh, you sneak movies you watch into into your sermons at church. I think there was a Frozen 2 reference recently. I can't remember exactly what it was. <laughs> I'm trying to think I think, now. I think you were talking about Into the Unknown. Oh, I was, it was, I was about singing the... I was singing. It was about my musical... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you mentioned how you, how you prefer and, the Brandon Urie version over that's the... That's right. Uh, yes, okay. That's right, yeah. And then, and then I was hoping because it was only a few days after that you would sneak Star Wars Episode Nine into a sermon, which, which you also did. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I, had, I had like a 50-50 shot on that happening, and it, and it did. So. That's uh, All right, with that, we'll move on to Frozen 2. And now, our feature presentation. Far away, as north as we can go, once stood an enchanted forest. You've seen an enchanted forest? Yes. It was a magical place, but something went wrong. Since then, no one can get in or out. Wow, Papa, that was epic. Frozen 2 is directed by Chris Buck and Jennifer Lee. It is set three years after the events of the first movie. The story follows Elsa, Anna, Kristoff, Olaf, and Sven, who embark on a journey beyond their kingdom of Arendelle in order to discover the origin of Elsa's magical powers and to save their kingdom after a mysterious voice calls out to Elsa. That was a long one. The original Frozen came out in 2013. We just did that a couple of episodes, few episodes ago. And it made almost $1.3 billion, so they would have been really stupid to not uh, make a second one. Despite, uh, there are many accounts of like, well, we didn't want to do it unless we had a great story. And, you know, we, we were just waiting. For, they were going to make a second one. There's, there's, there's no doubt about that after the success of this thing. I read that earlier today as well. John Lasseter talking with the original writers about, and it was so funny. Maybe I'm cynical, but he was talking about, uh, if I could remember correctly, uh, he didn't want to push or coerce a sequel because he didn't want to like compromise the story. I'm like, come on. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> this is a money-making enterprise. There's a little part of me that's like, well, Disney, you know, Disney tries really hard to make really good movies, but sure, then, sure. but then they pump out Star Wars Episode Nine, and I'm like, well, not really. <laughs> That is a different leg of the company, but yeah, yeah, I saw that too. So Chris Buck and Jennifer Lee were working on Frozen Fever, which was a short film that came out alongside uh, live-action Cinderella, I believe, and they fell back in love with the characters again. So they they can they, they didn't want to leave Arendelle behind, and so they convinced someone or the money spoke, and they decided to start developing Frozen Two. They decided the plot of this movie would be it would ultimately be that Elsa kind of get set free from her burdens or whatever and Anna would become queen. So they had that they had that ending and then they decided to write a script that kind of made that happen. So They heard the siren song of capitalism. Ah, Cha-ching. <laughs> so on March 12th, 2015, they officially announced the full-length sequel to Frozen, Frozen 2, 
at the D23 Expo in 2019, which is the big Disney convention that they do every couple years, they announced that the movie would answer questions like, why does Elsa have magical powers? Why was Anna born without them? Where were their parents going on the, on the ship that sank? All things that I don't really care about, but they decided needed to be addressed. And so that's basically what Frozen 2 does. So the main cast is back with Kristen Bell as Anna. You ever seen the video of Kristen Bell where she is on some talk show and she talks about how much she loves like koalas or something? Yes. <laughs> she just like starts crying when she's yeah, thinking yeah. about koalas. Well, no, I think because Dax brought one in and she was is? like, it's on the premises and she lost it. Well, oh, I think they told her there was one. Oh, no, sloths. It's sloths. It's yeah, not yeah. koalas. She loves sloths so much. She's on Ellen. And Ellen's like, we brought one here. And she starts crying, but they, they didn't actually have one. <laughs> so she's like sobbing just from thinking there's one in the building. So anyway, Adina Menzel is back as Elsa. I just saw her in uh, Uncut Gems, the Adam Sandler movie. A very different role in Uncut Gems. I saw the first two minutes of Uncut Gems because they accidentally played it at my Parasite screening. Really? <laughs> yeah. And then like everyone got up and left and then they started playing Parasites. So everyone is like coming back in for the first five minutes of the movie. It was not a fun viewing huh. experience for 10 minutes. I thought only I had bad theater experiences. <laughs> Every time we go to a Star Wars movie, something goes wrong. <laughs> yeah. What was it? This time they had the... Uh, well, we, we had to go see it in 3D because that was the best the screen. The sound wasn't synced up. No, the... Uh, Oh, the visuals, the, the 3D. Uh, the, the, the two stereo, like the 3D filters were, were messed up. So even if you put the glasses on, it wasn't, yes. it wasn't working. Right. And like, I was very proud of that theater because at least like 20 dudes hopped up and started That's running true. out to go save the movie. Normally it's just me. Because <laughs> <laughs> when we saw, uh, was it Last Jedi? It had to have been. Yeah, we yes. saw Last Jedi and... Took like 30 minutes. For some reason at the showtime when they're supposed to start playing the previews, they started playing the commercials that, you know, are like a half hour commercials that play before the previews. And so we sat there for like 20 minutes and the trailer didn't even start. And so I had to run out and they stopped it. And then it, yeah, that was At my Frozen showing on Monday last week, they left the lights on until like <laughs> 10 minutes into the movie. And I was too lazy to go tell them to turn them off. <laughs> they weren't like that bright, but it was noticeable. And I, they turned them off after like 10 minutes, maybe. Mm, that's funny. That happened to me once at a really, at an older theater at a screening of like Ender's Game or something random like that. And the ah. lights didn't turn off. And so I ran down. It was like, an, I was in like an upstairs theater. I had to run down and find an usher or whatever. And they came back up and they just flipped a switch on the wall. It wasn't even controlled by <laughs> the system. I'm like, well, I wish I would have seen that. Uh, where were we? Uh, Josh Gad plays Olaf again. We have Jonathan Groff back as Kristoff. New, some new characters. Sterling K. Brown, St. Louis native, is in this movie as Mat Matthias. I think the character's name is. Evan, Ra Evan Rachel Wood plays the mom, Eduna. There's a Norwegian pop singer named Aurora who plays the voice. And then Alfred Molina plays, I guess he's the dad. Yeah. Yeah, her dad, Agnar. Alfred Molina is also just recently in Ragged Ralph 2. He played like the, the slug creature with the little creature on his shoulder. Dave, you remember that? Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, moving on. Unfortunately. The movie was produced by a team of uh, about 800 people, which is just crazy. These credits just roll on forever. 80 of those were animators. Lots of people working on this. They developed some new software to animate Gale, the wind character. They also improved their water techniques quite a bit, even even better than Moana. But they were too good, and so they like dumbed it down so that it kind of matched the cartoony characters. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> Which is funny. I mean, I think the scenics in Moana are just... They look so real. Yes. Um, and to make it better than that, but they but then they had to like make it not as good. Which is funny. It's got to be a little frustrating if you're an animator. <laughs> It's like we've created such photorealistic water in a computer that we can't use it. <laughs> they used it in uh, episode nine on the on the planet with the Death Star, probably. So uh, Chris and Anderson Lopez and Robert Lopez returned to do the music. They are double EGOT winners. They both won and they both won an Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and Tony. Oh wow! Which is pretty crazy. Yes, because they just work on projects together. So I guess it makes sense if one of them wins, the other one does too. You're a quarter of the way there, Mike. Yes, it's a regional Emmy, so I don't even, even know if that counts. <laughs> Midwest regional. I don't know if that uh, if that applies, but yes, it is nice to have that. We'll talk more about the songs in a minute. Christoph Beck has returned to do the score and a bunch of new songs, which we'll dive into in a moment. Disney released the first teaser trailer for this movie in February of 2019, and it was viewed 116 million times in the first 24 hours. It like broke a bunch of records. I feel like every new trailer they put out does that. It premiered November 7th, 2019 at the Dolby Theater in Hollywood, which is where they have the Oscars every year. 
It was widely released on November 22nd, 2019. And uh, just a few days ago, they released a sing-along version in some theaters, which I will not be going to. <laughs> I guess they have like the words on the bottom and the bouncing ball and you're allowed to sing. That would be terrible. That sounds pretty bad. Disney partnered with 140 brands worldwide to, pr- to promote this movie. We talked a couple episodes ago how you walk into Target and Frozen 2 is just everywhere. It's in every aisle and every like Kleenex box and every... Giant Olaf stuffed animals. <laughs> I think this was the, the highest number ever for an animated film of, of brand partnerships. As of yesterday, we're recording this on the January 21st. As of, as of January 20th, this movie has grossed $466.5 million and it's still going. Uh, that's just North America. Worldwide, it's made $1.4 billion. It's already It already sits at number 11 of all time. And probably by the time we release this episode, it'll be at number 10. Number 10 is Avengers Age of Ultron. And it is just a few million behind that unbelievable it's just amazing what disney owns most of this list it seems like i mean the top 10 of all time will soon be frozen to fast and furious 7 which is not disney avengers is the new lion king believe it or not is number seven of all time which is just oh, wow just blasphemy jurassic world avengers infinity war star wars force awakens titanic avatar and avengers so at least like half of those are disney and frozen one is sitting at 16 so crazy award season is now it is, it is ongoing. Um, this was not nominated for Best Animated Feature. That was quite the upset wow. for the Oscars. It, it was nominated for the Golden Globe, but not for the Oscars. Up for the, up this year are How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World, which I think is the third one. Uh, I Lost My Body, which I don't know what that is. Klaus, some Christmas movie. Missing Link, which I think is uh, like the guys mm-hmm. who did Walls and Gromit. Mm-hmm. Ardman, and then Toy Story 4 are what's up this year for Animated Feature. No Frozen 2, but it is nominated for Best Original Song for Into the Unknown along with song from Toy Story, Rocket Man, Breakthrough, which is like that Christian movie where the kid falls into oh, yeah. the ice. I guess there's yep. a song in that that was good. Uh, and then Harriet, which is the Harriet Tubman movie. I haven't seen those. So we'll see what happens in the Oscars February 9th. Perhaps Kristen Anderson and Robert will bring home another one. Did I tell you about my breakthrough experience? No. This is hilarious. So <laughs> I took all four kids to the theater. Beth was not feeling well or something. I wanted to give her the afternoon off. So I took all four kids to the theater to see Breakthrough and that, no, that was Maggie's first experience. That's what it was. That was Maggie's first experience because this is, (laughs) now I remember. So when there's this climactic moment at the end of the movie, like the moment, the emotional crux of the film. And my one daughter is like, dad, I got to go to the bathroom. And I'm like, are you kidding me here? This is not good etiquette. You, you don't do that, you know, but she's like really uncomfortable. And so I'm like, all right. And I didn't want to like take my daughter Magnolia. And leave the other kids behind. And leave. So I took London to the bathroom, left Penny, Noble, and Magnolia, <laughs> who at the time, I think, you know, nine, six, and three, or maybe nine, six, and two at the time. I don't know. Anyways, I come back. There's some stranger holding Magnolia. (laughs) And the lady was like, she was running around the stage calling for you. Like in the the front of the theater? In the front calling for me. (laughs) During this moment of this like, this very intimate, emotionally, you know, crushing moment. And she's like, daddy. And she like opened the exit, the fire exit door on the side there. Which probably like natural light was pouring in. Natural light was pouring in. I look like a neglectful, you know, it was, it was something. It was (laughs) bad. Was the movie any good? Yeah, it was pretty good. Uh, There was some pretty good uh, performances. The girl from... That, uh, this is us, I think. This is us. It was heartwarming. That's funny. Was it a full theater? <laughs> it was a pretty darn full theater. <laughs> um, we talked a lot about like the Frozen's theme park presence in our Frozen episode. So if you want to hear that, go listen to that. I did recall a story. I talked about the Frozen Ever After ride in Epcot. Did you guys go on that? The Frozen boat ride in Epcot when you were there? No. Okay. They have like a log flume that's all Frozen theme. It's a really cool, really cool ride. But I forgot about my specific experience on that ride. We nailed like a last minute fast pass for it. Just luckily, just like refreshing the app. It was a, like three days after Christmas. Like I should not have gotten it. And I just click, 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 click. And then it popped up and like got it for like two hours later. It was, it was great. We get to go on this super popular ride and we're like in the third row. And there was a dad with, I assume his two daughters in the front row. He was you know, probably in his thirties and they were probably 10, eight. And he was trying to do all he could to make it seem like this was the greatest experience of their life. 
you know? <laughs> Anna! It's Anna! Yeah! Like trying to get his kids pumped up about it, but they weren't. They were just like sitting there like trying to take it in. He was trying to make them excited but they weren't and it was one of the most obnoxious things i've ever witnessed on a theme park right like it was for the in- the entirety of it that's terrible it's the trolls whoa <laughs> it was like that fist pumping oh, that's so and sad like, and he's in this like tank top and so in all the ride pictures it's just like this hairy dude with his arms up in all of our pictures on the on the log flume uh <laughs> proclaiming and he you know and they sing you know let it go at one point in the ride so he's like belting at the top of his lungs trying to get his kids excited about it maybe he was the actual fan I, and his kids were just bystanders to me that was my one experience <laughs> on that ride it's a cool ride but it was it was it was slightly ruined anyway that's all i got for the history of frozen 2 david any other fun facts you found this might have been the hardest there aren't many like most of the articles online are just like pre-release like this is what's gonna happen in the movie so i couldn't really find any actual like good behind the scenes fun facts um there is an after credits sequence which i didn't see yeah apparently it has like that big snow ogre creature that elsa created in the first movie yeah and and like a bunch of these little snow snowmen i don't know olaf is like still excited that he's turned into a snowman and then he's like and you guys are back too and you see the big snow creature. It wasn't that. I, I so didn't you stayed for it? Yes. Did you I know it was happening? I figured there'd be something. Gotcha. Yeah. That's my only fun fact, sadly. Mike, anything to contribute or should we move on? Well, I did see, and you may have, you may have run across this too, that in a, in a, I guess in some pre-screening with the actors, some of the editors added in some jokes without letting them know. Like there was a scene in which... Anna and Elsa, I guess, are like in bed uh, as kids yeah. and they added in some like flatulence. <laughs> when they were showing it to the, to the actors yeah, for the exactly. first time. Yeah. And then there's another scene, I guess, when Anna makes a like a running leap to get across. A, like a bridge. Uh, it was like a broken, yeah. broken bridge. Yeah. Or, or maybe it was, the, it was the dam maybe when she was trying. And, and when they played it, she didn't make it. <laughs> so, so that was probably pretty disconcerting when you watch it all the tv shows i've worked on we do that kind of stuff all the time yeah it's like when you send rough cuts you just hide little things yeah see people notice or or don't even hide them you just put in funny things sure well that's considerably more effort with an animated movie yeah right <laughs> exactly <laughs> the labor of love yes All right, so with these movies, we typically talk about our history with the movie, but this one is brand new. This is the first one we've talked about that is still in theaters. We got our Frozen histories. Mike, is there any more Frozen history in your family besides you just watch it a lot? Yeah, not only do we watch it a lot, but we have the dresses. Mm. We have, because my, my, well, my oldest two, when they were younger, they loved dressing up. We got the dolls. Magnolia has a microphone that plays into the unknown and she sings and so there's a lot of Anna and Elsa that we have blankets we have pillows we have (laughs) there's a lot of it there's a lot of merchandise we're contributing to the 1.4 billion uh but no beyond that it just yeah just watch the movies and the the soundtracks and uh if you want to hear David and mine's history about Frozen you can go back to our Frozen episode so now that we've seen Frozen 2 Mike I know it's been a little while since you've seen it but I'm sure you at least recapped what was your initial reaction upon seeing Frozen 2? What did you think about it from a surface level? My initial reaction, and maybe this is customary for sequels, I don't know, but I, I didn't think it quite lived up to the first. I think because I always feel like the the sequel, if there wasn't an obvious sort of cliffhanger type of narrative device to conclude the initial movie, the, the second concoction always feels very contrived like they just made up some new you know so that was kind of a little i felt like that was weaker i thought the storytelling was a little bit weaker and some of that had maybe has to do with the whole earth wind fire yeah air whatever i don't know what the four were but i always have a little issue with like the divination of nature and sure. like uh, all that so i that said i thought the impression was that olaf played a more prominent role in the storytelling of the second movie 
and comedically that that piece in the middle where he retells frozen one <laughs> was maybe the best part of the whole <laughs> the whole thing and so that was that was pretty delightful uh you know josh gad's got a great voiceover voice and comedic presence uh so he was really enjoyable magic pulses through my snowflakes i live ice palettes for one ice palettes for one get out anna pew, pew, my heart Oh my goodness. Only an act of true love can save you. Here's a true love's kiss. You're not worth it. Guess what? I'm the bad guy. What? Some of the songs were excellent, obviously. But there were some interesting choices, too. I don't know if... I, maybe I'm going off on rabbit trails, but like the um, Lost in the Woods, I, I'm thinking nobody's going to get this <laughs> under like 30. Yeah. There's a certain... Wait, you know, none, none I'm of under kid. 30, so I'm wondering if I got this or not. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there was something very like 80s yes, about, about the way they styled the music video. Yeah. And, you know, for those who understood that homage, there was some humor and some, I guess they could get it. But for, for, for like the average, I don't know, 20 something and under, it was kind of like, what's happening here? This seems strange. I don't know. If, I just don't know how that would have been received by yeah. everyone. Yeah. So that was kind of a question I had. But I mean, I liked it. It just, I didn't think it was as good as the first. So yeah. Yeah. Well, I have some follow-up questions to that, but we'll first go to David. Well, it's not every day I see a animated kids movie by myself at 9 p.m. in a theater <laughs> where it's just me and one family in the row behind me. <laughs> so, and the lights were on for 10 minutes. So it wasn't your average viewing experience, but... I don't know. I'm not like a huge fan of the first one. And I liked <laughs> elements of this, like the kind of epic story a little bit better than the last one. Just that some of the action was entertaining. I'd say it was on par with how much I enjoyed Frozen 1. Like it's good. It's not great. Last episode, Mike, you made a point that it felt like the second half of Frozen 1, it just completely dropped the musicalness, and there yeah. weren't many songs, maybe one or two songs in the second half of the movie. I felt like this movie had songs spread more evenly throughout. And I was thinking about that from our episode a few weeks ago. So that was something I, I liked and picked up on. Yeah, that was one of my biggest gripes with Frozen 1 is it just forgets it's a musical about halfway through. Yeah. There's no like dramatic ending song or like they just after they get to maybe Let It Go is the last one, basically. I don't know, Mike, you probably know better than I do. I just feel like the second half of that movie, they just abandoned the whole musical yes. concept. Yeah, I'm trying to remember as well, but I, I think you're right. Yeah. And a couple other things. I feel like Olaf was a pretty solid supporting character in this movie. I mean, he was good in the first one too. His humor is actually funny and it's not all just poop joke kid humor like I <laughs> like to describe it as in a lot of Disney movies. So um, I enjoyed him. Yeah, the animation was really good and looked beautiful as always. These past like five Disney movies have all looked like Pixar quality, which I'm always happy about. Yeah. Mike, what do you think? It's hard for me to like compare this to the original because I feel like I'm so tired. The original one's so tired because of how it just is it just ingrained itself in everything and everywhere you go and anything Disney related is just frozen, 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 frozen. And let it go is just everywhere. And like if you went to the theme parks anytime around then they were like sing-alongs and all these different it's just it, they just Disney just bombarded you with frozen, 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 frozen. And so like it's hard to not have that context when thinking of the original. And really thinking about the new one as well, I thought there were some refreshing things in the new one. Like there's new songs that I really enjoyed that I haven't heard 8,000 times. And the animation's really great. The story, it was, I don't, I'm not one to typically like try to predict what's going to happen in movies. I just kind of let them wash over me. But as soon as they like mentioned that dam at the beginning, I'm like, something's going to happen with that. That wasn't <laughs> yeah. supposed to be there. They built that for bad reasons. Um, <laughs> so like for that, for that reason, it was kind of predictable. It was fine. And I think... You, you get more about some of these characters, things I didn't really care about, but things that were interesting. Like we mentioned, Olaf was fun. We can talk more about it, more about it here. Um, Mike, I, I'm curious if your kids grasped some of the more intricate story details in this movie. There's a lot of dialogue that explains what's going on with like, I forget the name of the group of people, the uh, Northaldra. Then there's like those flashbacks where you see that actually the king was really killed the guy, even though they were said they were good. There was just a lot of very specific right. plot details. I don't believe they did. <laughs> that were like really important to the story. But did they still enjoy it, even though they might not have quite understood what was happening? Y yeah, you know. 
I'm, you know, I'm learning. I'm not a, I'm not an expert on anybody's kids, but my own, but at least, at least my own kids, they, they enjoy the playfulness of a good Disney movie. They enjoy the singing. They enjoy the Olaf and the Sven and they're not, they're not going for the story. Yeah. They're going for the experience, <laughs> you know. So I don't think that they picked up on some of those nuances and, and intricacies. I mean, at the end, a big tidal wave comes down, and and Elsa saves the day. So I guess you're happy. Yes, you don't have to understand. You don't have to understand that the king slaughtered the native, right, and built a dam to ruin his his town. I'm like, hey, kids, <laughs> let's talk about the political agenda of Frozen Two. Yeah. And I guess a lot of this, the stuff you, the, the deification of nature, whatever you said, comes from old legends and things. I didn't really find much about that. It's interesting. I guess a lot of these Disney movies come from fables and old tales and legends, but this seemed a little more specific and spiritual than some yeah. other ones that we've had. Well, I didn't read the Hans Christian Andersen on which these were based. I'm assuming these are great extrapolations from whatever that basic premise yeah. was. Yeah, it just, it's, this, this movie just seemed a little out there compared to some other ones. I agree. I mean, I guess like Grandmother Willow and Pocahontas is a little out there, but not really. I mean, it's just like a talking tree. But this with like all the different elements and she is the fourth or fifth element or whatever it is. It was just a lot. It was a lot to take in. (laughs) I thought it shared some thematic uh, overlap with Moana in the anthropomorphism of nature as sort of this uh, moral force that we must not simply respect, but ultimately obey. And that seems to be a, a thing that Disney does time and again. And I'm not saying it's, I'm not suggesting it's preachy. I'm just simply, it, there's a there's a commonality among several of, the, of their movies. And I thought of Moana specifically when I, when I was thinking of Frozen 2. Yeah, I didn't particularly care for the people we were supposed to care about. <laughs> like the native people and then the, what are the people called from the, the city, the, the soldiers, Ar- the Arendellians. I don't know. Yes. Yeah. The native people and the Arendellians, like you were supposed to care that they were trapped there for 40 years, but I just didn't feel bad for them. I don't know what they, <laughs> they just didn't really they seem make fine. them. Yeah. They seemed fine. Like they said that they were warring for all that time or like enemies, but it didn't show any of that conflict over that 40 years. It only showed what triggered them being stuck there and then the people coming to save them. So we didn't see like the suffering and strife from those <laughs> 40 years stuck in this weird spirit dimension where fire is chasing you and there's giant rock people stop stopping everywhere. It's like, I don't know. They could have done a better job of making you feel bad for those people, I think. And they were still wearing the same clothes. Yes. I'm like, what's going on here? You think after a few months, it would begin adopting <laughs> some North Undral style, but they were still in their original dress blues yeah <laughs> yeah this is also the the disney movie probably the, the most times the word damn has ever been said in a disney movie wow. i didn't notice that did they use it as like a damn no joke? they were talking about the damn yeah oh i see what you're yeah, saying that see, was a good one yes. i like a pun i like a good pun yeah you got it the only note i took watching this in the theater was forest people song i've heard it before question mark when they they sang a song like the native people. It's from the very beginning of the first movie. Okay. I didn't catch that where it was from, but I definitely recognized it. Yeah, they brought that back. Well, while we while we were talking about that, let's talk about the music because that's obviously a huge part of this movie. There are a whole bunch of new songs. I don't even remember what all these are. I had them listed in front of me. The very first one. All is found, which I believe is sung by the mom. Where the north wind meets the sea, there's a river full of memory. Sleep, my darling, safe and sound, for in this river all is found. Quite haunting and quite lovely. It reminded me a lot of. Mike, you mentioned Jungle Book earlier. There's the song at the very end where the girl is. I was. She's like down at the water. Yep. My own home. It reminded me a lot of that. I really like that song because it's like kind of creepy, but kind of lovely. And this All Is Found song from the very beginning of the movie reminded me a lot of that. And it, it, and it creates a kind of ominous vibe to set up. Very ominous. This, this movie we're coming into. 
you know, the, the drowning, <laughs> like some of the serious, uh, you know, gravity of some of these songs, you know, the kid, like my kids are singing them. I'm like, <laughs> this is odd juxtaposition. You're like, do you know what you're singing? Anyways, but yeah, it was kind of heavy. Yeah. You're going to, you're going to drown maybe. Dive down deep into her sound, but not too far or you'll be drowned. And then we had a, some things never change. Da, 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 da. I don't remember how that goes. Some things never change, like the feel of your hand. That's sort of our, our peppy. What's what's the equivalent to that in the first Frozen? Do you want to build a snowman? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah, that's that's about right. That was fun. And then we get the showstopper. screaming song i feel like <laughs> she like every time she says into the unknown it gets like more intense and like higher pitch i just feel like you can make a parody just screaming by the end of that song yeah. i didn't particularly like it see i i really like this song and, and maybe just because i'm so burned out on let it go that i don't know if i like let it go or not because i've just heard it so many times in so many places that i couldn't tell you if i like it or not yeah but this song is so epic and like the orchestration in the background is is so overly dramatic and driving. I hope this song wins the Oscar. I want them to perform this on stage. I think it'd be really fun. Far be it for me, I'm not a vocalist or a musician, but I, I did think... Uh, old Adina doesn't have it as uh, like she used to. <laughs> I mean, she, you know, it's just some of those notes were, I don't know, not obviously she hit the notes, but she didn't go maybe as, like the dude, the Panic at the Disco guy. Yeah. Like his vocal performance on that particular song was far stronger than hers. Oh, he's, he's amazing. And I think the orchestration on that version is even better. Into the unknown. It's a pretty epic tune. It is. I liked it a lot. Um, and then we had When I'm Older, which is Olaf's In Summer equivalent, which was fun. <laughs> what do you think about Olaf's existentialism in this movie? <laughs> Samantha? Water has memory. <laughs> yeah, right. He has all these like very, like there's the, right at the beginning, there's this, he has this thought about what if everything's not permanent or whatever? Like he, yes. he's, he's so dumb, but he has these like very intelligent, like very thoughtful statements throughout, which, yes. which is a fun, it's a fun uh, juxtaposition. Tell me, you're older and thus all knowing. Do you ever worry about the notion that nothing is permanent? Uh, no. Really? Wow. I can't wait until I'm aged like you so I don't have to worry about important things. And then real quick, we had reindeers are better than people. I don't, really, I don't really remember that. It was like an intro. Okay. Which, does that go straight into Lost in the Woods? Yep. Okay. I'm the one who sees you home, but now I'm lost in the woods. And, and that's what you were talking about. It's very much an 80s music video even like like all the heads of the reindeer appear around him is very queen like totally it was fun and i think i mean that was certainly for the parents i enjoyed that that song's been stuck in my head so i, I guess they did their job i like weezer's version okay is that in the credits it's on the soundtrack okay I wasn't like a huge fan of how much they referenced the first movie in this movie. You see different characters and you see like snow versions of previous characters. Maybe I'm mixing some scenes up, but, and then like they, when they're playing charades and the scene you were talking about where Olaf like reenacts the last movie, like that's fun. But I also think it's kind of a crutch they're leaning on. Sure. Totally. When they, yes. you don't need that. Like everyone's going to watch the first one again before they see the second one probably, or they know it so well they don't need, there's just a lot of like frozen fan service in this movie that I didn't think was 100% necessary. Yeah. 
Any other random observations before we start wrapping this up? I did really like how they created this theme, this siren call, and it was very well worked into the score into multiple songs. Yep. The musical motifs, the musical themes yeah, throughout were very in. consistent. And it was in the score. It was, and you, you, you heard the same sort of da, 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 and into the unknown, mm-hmm. like throughout, which I really, really liked. And I noticed that. And I don't, I don't recall that from the last one. I have a question. Yeah, go ahead. Where the heck did that ice seahorse come from? <laughs> Not seahorse, horse in the sea. The horse in the sea. It has a name. Knock. Knock, N-O-K, but the O's got like a, a yeah. thingy. <laughs> why was it trying to kill her? And then why did it decide to help her? <laughs> I think it had, it was like, you got to earn, you got to earn your passage there, Elsa. You can't just, I'm not like a, your standard horse here. Also, I, I was thinking when it was trying to drown her and everything, like that'd be, it was pretty intense for like little, little kid viewing. Very intense. It was intense for me, David. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Your kids are shielding your eyes. That's right. All right. So, Mike, it is the duty of our guests to come up with a rating system specific to the movie movie we're talking about, as long as it's a number. Out of 10 snowballs, that's a bad one. You can be more creative than that. What should should we rate Frozen 2 out of? I guess uh, we'll do it out of, well, one out of 27 partially eaten carrots. That's good. All right. So 27 the, 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 right. is a perfect score. Okay. So Mike, you can go ahead and give us your rating out of 27 partially eaten carrots and, and your final thoughts on Frozen 2. I will give Frozen 2 21 partially eaten carrots out of 27, okay. which roughly translates into a B plus, I would imagine. <laughs> to bring it back down to I think it's a C plus actually. <laughs> oh, okay. I don't know. <laughs> I don't do math. <laughs> So, I liked it. However, I think I am a little sensitive when kids' movies... I mean, I, I, I wouldn't say it was preachy. I just thought it was interesting. You have this, like, obviously native people who are somewhat kind of held behind a wall, damn thing. Mm-hmm. And the solution mm-hmm. to their freedom is breaking down the wall... You know, I'm like, I don't know, guys. This seems a little forced. <laughs> oh, I get it. Okay. So, yeah, got it. So, I, whenever that kind of stuff is, I, I internally have a little bit of a, come on, let's just make a fun movie here. I don't need all the political layers, but yeah. maybe I'm reading too much mm-hmm. into it. Maybe. Yeah, I'm, yeah, it depends on when they wrote this, I guess. Yeah. All right, David, out of 27 partially eaten carrots. Before I give my personal score, I surveyed the Hostel Bros for one-liner reviews of the movie because there's a lot of fans of Frozen 1 in my friend group, many Hostel Bros of which have been guests on this podcast. So, um, Chris Fisher, who has not been on this podcast, said, very bland plot. Animation is pretty dope. Same old hit songs for the kids. Olaf's still funny and Elsa is still a babe. <laughs> so, I don't... Do you have any more from That was only friends? when I got back, so... I agree with that mostly besides very bland plot. Like, I thought it was an interesting plot. It was too convoluted for children. But, I mean, obviously, I got everything besides where did that horse come from, which nobody, you guys couldn't really answer. Like, it came from the island, maybe. I don't know. But my score would be a 20.25 out of 27 (laughs) partially eaten carrots. Was that it? I liked it pretty much exactly the same as the first one, which had a fun story some fun characters some great songs but i just wasn't in love with in love with it or like particularly drawn into the characters stories really but i could see as a young female there's lots of you know elsa or anna different two types of girls to relate to and very different um also the family sister dynamic would be fun if you had sisters so i i know why this is popular it's just not really targeted at me so that's probably why i don't absolutely love it it'd be kind of weird if i did alone in the theater yeah (laughs) um mike what's your score yeah out of 27 partially eaten carrots i'm just gonna go with a 20 which is fairly solid in my internal rating system i think it was paced really well it just it moved. It just felt like, felt like song after song, scene after scene, action after action. Like it kept my attention, which some of these don't. 
feel like I'm, I'm, I'm bored by some of these Disney movies. I feel like some of them feel long and this one did not. Yeah. I mean, it's just kind of the same thing over again. Just a different plot, same characters, all the songs we were, we were comparing which song matches, which song in frozen one. It's the same formula, which you expect after they make, you know, $2 billion or whatever it was to kind of just do it over again. Cause that's what they do with their movies. Hence lion King live action <laughs> reanimated. But yeah, a lot of these songs are super catchy, and 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 as we've discussed many times, I love I love a, Dis- a good Disney musical. I always prefer the musicals over the non musicals for the most part. So, I've been singing these songs for the last week or so, and it was fine. It's fine. It's not going to make it in my top ten, but it, it's it was an enjoyable experience. So with that, Mike Workheiser, thank you so much for joining us today on Disney One by One. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And David, it's been a long journey. <laughs> We've done 58 plus of these. We're not completely done yet, though, right? Yeah, we are going to do a sort of wrap-up episode. We'll bring Chris Lair on, who's a guest we've had on many times, to sort of moderate. We'll we'll, we'll update our top tens now that we've been through all of these. We'll probably come up with some other lists as well to count down, and uh, we'll do a proper wrap-up. But I just wanted to acknowledge that we did it. We made it through this list. and released a weekly episode for for 58 weeks um with that uh david a pleasure as always how i wish it could stay this way forever and yet change mocks us with her beauty that's it (laughs) that's it like i said we'll be back next week with a big recap finale episode it'll be exciting i don't know what we're doing we'll figure it out on that wrap-up episode i'd love to play some messages from you listeners if you have anything nice to say what do you want us to do in the future what your favorite episode was what your favorite moment was who your favorite host was who your favorite guest was whatever you want to say i record a quick message on your phone and you can email to us at disney1x1 at gmail.com we have received a few but there's still time for you to send yours please do it by saturday of this week and we'll get it on our finale episode and uh we'll see you there goodbye bye thanks for listening to the disney one by one podcast If you have any questions or suggestions, send us an email to Disney1x1 at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Disney1x1 and at Disney1x1.com. We'll be back next week with another exciting episode of the Disney 1x1 podcast.